Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. If you're hoping to put a smile on my face, you could rate, review and subscribe as it helps more people find the Stompcast. And if you want to really make me smile, you could subscribe to Behind the Stomp on Apple Podcasts for exclusive episodes and early access for $3.99 per month. It's a great way to support the Stompcast and mean we keep bringing you episodes. This week you'll hear that we had a near medical emergency when Emma was stung by a wasp. Charlie sharing her intrusive thoughts, and of course, my reflection on the conversation with Anna about parenthood. If you are subscribed to Behind the Stomp, you'll have all three parts on Sunday, so early access as well as Behind the Stop and extra exclusive content such as ASMR. This week, I'm stomping with psychotherapist, author, and podcaster, Anna Martha. Anna has three best-selling books, Mind Over Mother, Know Your Worth, and The Little Book of Calm for New Mums and is releasing a fourth book, Raising a Happy Mother, in August. As a mother of three, Anna adopted her psychotherapy work to offer online courses, coaching groups, and workshops to support mums to get the best out of life and parenting. Anna, welcome to the Stompcast. We are currently traversing our way through the bush. We've got a railway track on our left, bushes all around us. Um, you're leading the way at the moment. We're the heading moment. off into, into the depths of the countryside, which is a very good way to start uh, the Stompcast. So thank, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I wonder if you could start by just telling us where are we? Where in the world are where we? Where the heck are we? Well, we're walking beside a train station near where I live in Surrey. 10 minutes walk from my house. Now this route is like an hour, it's a circle and I always do it the same way and it's just, it, this is a therapeutic route for me, like I will, I've done this walk feeling all the feelings, like overwhelm, despair, like in the middle of the pandemic and I've never returned home feeling the same. Yeah, I've taken friends here, I've had the biggest heart to hearts, I've shared secrets, it's just, this is where I go when I have therapy, so if every the tree, Thursday. If the could listen and tell stories oh, they've they heard many they've heard many stories over that time i hugged my first tree on this walk alex do you know Have what you ever hugged i hugged a tree? a tree with i hugged a tree with joe wicks yeah. in an earlier episode of the stomp cast uh-huh. and it was ve- it was genuinely it's it's uh, people who have not done it oh, will think that we're crazy maybe we are well in fact i think we're all crazy oh, well, i but mean all, the, all tree, the best ones are or hugging a tree yeah is such a releasing nice oh. feeling isn't it it's actually yeah it's so nice. I can't explain it. I, Go and hug a tree, people. To, everyone needs to just, you know, if, you, if you're feeling like a bit embarrassed, just look left, look right, give it a big hug. And it's like, it's so solid and grounded. And I think there's something so conflicting when you just feel like life is in a state of flux and it's moving really fast and you just hold on to this thing that is so rooted. Yeah. Literally, excuse the pun. I don't hug enough trees, to be fair. And so you said you do your therapy because obviously we're going to go dive into this. You, yeah. you know, you're obviously with your work, you know, you 
you provide therapy, you create content, you you talk about certain topics, which which I'm fascinated about. We're going to delve into. But so you also have therapy yourself. Is oh, that right? Absolutely. Oh, I need Every it. Every Thursday, I've, I've actually. Alex, I need it. We're fresh from my therapy right now. <laughs> oh, so are we? I had mine yesterday. There we go. I mean, I, I had do. Mine yesterday. I do mine every Wednesday morning. Um, I've had um, uh, Dr. Taryn on my podcast before, and if people want to hear one of the therapy sessions and what kind of happens in a therapy session, well, you're welcome to have a listen to the episode that I did with her. So I, I have my therapy every week, and it is as fundamental as as the walks I do and what we're doing right now. Yeah. Why do you think it's important, or why? Because I've seen you talk about this before that doing it outside the therapy room is yeah. beneficial. I mean, I know in myself, but maybe you could, like for me personally, but could you put into words a little bit as to why you think that's important? So I think for me, taking therapy out of the therapy room means like two different things. Number one, as a therapist myself, I have always worked in the clinical setting. I can GP surgeries and private practices. You worked in you Brixton, know. I think, wasn't it? Oh right? yeah, I worked oh, in yeah. Brixton, yeah, and a GP practice there. And we'd have the, the two chairs opposite each other with a box of tissues and a glass of water. And then I moved to Surrey, I had my kids, and I started sharing a bit on Instagram about moving house. <laughs> and then my Instagram grew a little bit because I moved house and I wanted some inspiration for what to do with the walls because it was a new build and all of this. And I did an Instagram live right back when they were, like when they just kicked off. And, I, and someone asked me on there, what do you actually do? <laughs> what do you actually do? Because clearly you're not just painting walls. It's like, what do you actually do? And I said I was a psychotherapist. And they started asking me questions. Do you have tips for anxiety? Do you, like, my partner's just broken up with me. Should I be feeling? And, and I started just sharing some of the things that were just kind of kept within those walls of the therapy room. And I just realised that there's such a need to deliver these tools to people and these insights. So that's what my work is really, just blowing open the doors of the therapy room, like sharing these tips and these tools. And then the other, for me, taking therapy out of the therapy room, I literally used to have therapy in a therapy room um, in London every week with the glass of water and the tissues. And <laughs> it then takes you back. Yeah. I mean, I've had that kind of therapy as yeah. well. And it is just the cliche of it. You sat opposite and it's very yeah. serious. And often the room's very quiet. And often there's like, there'll always be like a plant pot somewhere oh, with a yeah. picture of the sea or something yes. like that. And you sat opposite each other, and it feels an entirely unnatural situation and for I just me felt personally. A bit watched. I don't know about you. Like sometimes, I didn't really know what to do with my eyes. I didn't really know. I didn't know whether she was looking at me. I didn't know. And when I moved here, I wanted to stay in touch with this therapist because I just had kids, and it was a you know, it's a big life transition. So I started seeing her on Zoom, and for me, I just I didn't like it. For me, I've done many therapy sessions on Zoom, and it's been great. But for me, having my own therapy on Zoom, one day I said, can I, can I talk to you on the phone and just go for a walk? And back, you know, we're going back eight years maybe. This wasn't something that therapists did, really. Mm. They didn't really do therapy on Zoom and they certainly weren't really doing it on the phone. But I went for a walk and I, it just really opened me up in a whole different way because I was moving my body. It's quite like that methodical walking and... Yeah, so taking therapy out of the therapy room to me is like two different things. It's a, it's it's something I really relate to because so I so I met Taryn um, it's about two years ago now and we started there was a therapy room in Clapham Junction that we sat in and that was the first session and I didn't know I had ADHD at the time and I know you, you were diagnosed with ADHD around the same time as me so we'll, we'll talk about that in, in a moment 
but I wasn't diagnosed at the time, but I found it a really stressful experience sat there, um, sat still for an hour where I was kind of felt that I was trapped and like that, there's a whole thing of that where I, you know, it plays into a lot of the, it, with ADHD, but I found that really, I didn't find that helpful. I didn't yeah. find that it opened me up. I was, my walls were up and mm. I was not in a reflective place. So I said, oh, can we, you know, we did a few sessions then. I was like, this, I really connect with this person. She's great. Like, she's really like, she just kind of gets me and that kind of stuff. I was like, I don't like the way we're doing this. I said, can we do it in the on the common and clap in the common? I love that you And then that. she said, well, I've never really done that before, but let's do it. Like she, she said, let's do it. So we did a session. I was like, this is so much better. Yeah. And then, well, since then for the last basically two years, we've as much as possible, do it walking today uh, we did it virtually so i did it on the telephone like you said i just literally had my um actually i got this these new i got those new dyson headphone things so the big clumpy things but oh, wow. they're, they're wicked and um like really very good sound yeah, yeah i felt very immersive it was so good so um i had them on and we just did it like even though she wasn't with me i was out walking oh, yeah and i find it so much more sorry to use the cliche but therapeutic yeah and i felt very present but also I think you feel safe. There's something about that connection with nature when yeah. you're talking about things that are difficult. You know, we're, we're walking now also, we're side by side now that we've come through some of the bushes and <laughs> you're walking in a direction, yeah. you're looking forward. It doesn't feel like I'm not, you're not sat opposite no. me with the tissues and, and the glass and the, this is very serious and like almost the white coat effect. It just feels much more natural. And, you know, I'm glad that you share that kind of belief that some or a lot of therapy or a lot of treatment can be outside of the therapy room yeah. because so much of like medical and mental health treatment in the past has all been about like clinics and yep. white walls and Take I'm not saying there isn't a place for that yeah. obviously obviously there is but I think for a lot of people especially and definitely if you're neurodivergent I think there are other ways of doing it that can be much more actually helpful to that I to that person I literally love that you asked your therapist to try that because years ago I just wouldn't have said anything I would have mm. thought this is how it has to be and it's obviously me there's something wrong with me that I'm not finding this context comfortable I absolutely love the fact that you just said I'm not very good like at you, uh, doing but things this... the way they should be I <laughs> you love can follow this. my life and but see do you know that. what like Alex I <laughs> honestly there is so much freedom in that and I am more in that place now I remember when I started going to therapy she would pour a glass of water for me right I would never drink it yeah I didn't even want to drink her water. That yeah. is how low my self-esteem mm. was. Mm. And I remember going once, now you wouldn't do this post-pandemic, I'd had food poisoning all night, right? Mm. And I still got up at six to be there for 7 a.m. Like I should not have been on the tube. Mm. Like it was dodgy, mm. you know mm. what I'm saying? Mm. Mm. Um, and these days, if I was ill, I would say, I'm really sorry, I can't make our session yeah. today. And it's like- That permission to yourself to say, I can't, I can't do this. this is, and actually, do you know, one of the things I very consciously, that's like you're talking about the physical side there, but now I tell my team, I've told these guys that are with me today, I'm joined by uh, Emma on my team and obviously producer Charlie is here as well. You know, I would tell people, my mental health isn't good today, yeah, I can't do it. And, I, and I tell that and I've told brands that and I've told, yeah. I've told people for meetings, or I've, told, I've said, I, I, my, I don't, in the past, I feel ill or I've got the flu, you know, I don't. I say this is how if I don't feel good, I feel anxious, whatever, I can't do today. Or I was supposed to do a talk in Newport a few weeks ago at a college and to be honest, my mental health really took like an acute dip. I was taking on a lot, there's a lot going on, you know, there's lots of I've been dealing with personally as well and I just felt acutely overwhelmed and I had to say like, I'm sorry, and I mean this is like I'm sorry that I can't be there, but also I'm not sorry in the sense that I'm taking ownership of my health, but I need to be at home with my family, like I need I can feel myself like in a place where I just need to be 
I need to have time off. And they were actually really great about it. I think obviously they're disappointed that I couldn't be there. But, you know, a couple of years ago, I'd have gone, yeah. potentially pushed myself into a really bad place, but because I felt that going was more important than my health. And that is a, that is a real problem. And I think this, I, what I love is that you talk about actually by putting yourself first and your health first you actually help people more and we're going to come on to your new book and, and we're going to talk about that because it's really really important you know that putting yourself first even though you might think oh i'm being selfish it isn't being selfish is just pushing yourself to the ground and then failing yourself and everyone else yeah and and i think what you're saying about you know you're recognizing the the fact that you're teaching on the edge of burnout there and i think often what our world says is like push harder like if you if you're not able to do that then you're failing you must try harder you must do more and actually you know burnout happens when we push beyond the limits of our resources every day i used to have an apple watch right and every day it would tell me i needed to move the same amount than the day before and i think what i've started to realize is that we wake up with different resources every single day That's so true like we, we could be flawed by 10 a.m we could have not slept well, we could have been dealing with some kind of emotional stuff. And I think what you're talking about is self-respect. And actually, in respecting yourself and your boundaries, you're respecting other people. Because mm. you're saying, I can't fully turn up. Yeah, that's so true. And I respect what you want that's me so to do true. so well, so much, that I'm, I'm not going to do it because... I can't show up. Well, imagine I turned up and I had like an anxiety attack there or yeah. I was like really like off form or I did that and maybe another thing I had a week later or maybe because I always think that the further you push out and push into your burnout zone, the bigger the debt. It's like compound oh interest. So, yeah. you know, when you go, right, you know, I'm going to steal. I talk about the coin. I talk about coins. Me and too. Every day, yeah, I have, talk about coins. You know, every day you've got a set amount of coins. Yes. Those are your life coins. And, and actually one adaptation that I should make, which I suspect you have, is that each day you don't know how many coins it's you start different, with. It's isn't different, isn't it? Sometimes you might wake up with five coins and sometimes you might wake up with 15. So to expect the same from yourself every day, it's actually like a really tall order. Sorry, Alex, we are yeah, going down going another little path here. This is the little path I thought I might have to give you a piggyback down. No, we'll, we'll be all right. Um, we'll be I haven't right. actually, I, I love exercise, but I haven't done much recently because I'm also, you've I've been polite, but coins. I also weigh about, I don't even know what I weigh, but I'm also heavy, so <laughs> you're not going to carry me down either. But. <laughs> I, uh, I actually normally love doing like indoor cycling and weights, but because recently I've been, we've been going through a lot behind the scenes, I've been waking up with like two coins. So instead of my usual workouts, I've been doing walking, more like nervous system, down-regulating stuff, calming stuff, because sometimes in stressful periods of our lives, we have to just try and make the road as smooth as possible for ourselves. So, yeah. It's so true. And I, I mean, even, even perhaps with my unadapted version of that, I was looking at, say, like, right, you get up every day with 100 coins and you you've got that energy to spend. But if you overspend your coins and you're spending 120 coins a day, you're entering debt and every yes. day that you go over oh, the number exactly. of coins you should be spending, you're getting in more and more debt. And just like interest with, you know, the banks, <laughs> the banks uh, yeah. sat there with the interest and they're calculating debt, that interest is compound. Yeah. And so it's really important to realize that the further you push into debt, the harder it is and so that's why like now as i've got older i am acutely sensitive to recognizing when i'm about to go into debt and yeah. that is exactly why 
despite really wanting to go and do the talk or to, to be at Newport um, College, um, I made that decision because yeah. I was like, I need to prevent myself ending up in a bad place. And yeah. you know, I'm aware you know, my mental health is actually quite good at the moment, but I'm also aware that I am prone to getting into some pretty difficult spots and places. And I know how hard that is to get out of sometimes. I'm I also know how much impacts the rest of my life. So I, I, I'm I think with you. I'm got so to own with it, haven't you? you? Got to own it. I went through, so I often think of burnout as like, you've got two kinds. You've got circumstantial burnout, where life is just throwing a lot at you. Like think about the pandemic, right? There was nothing. Yeah, good example. That was, yeah. good, that was circumstance. And people were burnt out because of circumstance. You must've been flipping burnt out because of circumstance. And then also you've got some of those other things that add to burnout, like people pleasing. Mm. Like, I'm just going to say yes to that because that's what I feel like I should do or high standards and perfectionism. So we just, there are some pressures we can't remove and there are other things. And this is what I'm always like really passionate about is saying, where are your standards? What are you expecting of yourself? What are those yeses that you're doing to keep people happy when actually it's costing you so much if you've got five coins and you use those five coins in the, that day you might feel like a failure when actually you've given a hundred percent of what you had mm -hmm. like and that is amazing absolutely I, I think that's that is something that through life and experience i think you do learn that and you kind of learn the the cost of it yeah. so but i just kind of wish to be honest again this is why i'm so passionate about teaching at school and education is i kind of wish people just have told me stuff like this when younger I know. so and I, but the good news you know we're, we're here having this conversation yeah. and all of you that are listening and i know i mean you you're all you're all invested in this space and you invest in yourselves because by premise that you listen to the stomp cast you care about these things and if you're listening thinking oh god you know i'm the same why i keep pushing myself past burnout practice self-compassion you know that's where the changes actually come from if you're not compassionate to yourself you'll never ever make change True. and i think sometimes people focus on right i need to get to this end goal how can you do that if you don't value yourself and you're not kind to yourself because everything otherwise that you do will be done as punishment almost it'll feel so like punishment true and rest as well yeah. you know i don't know about you but my attitude to rest i used to think i had to deserve it and it was something that I collapsed into at the end of the day when I was totally and utterly spent. Do you think part of that is because of, and, and maybe this is a good point to, uh, to maybe move and talk a little bit about ADHD. So um, you were diagnosed at a similar time to me. Do you think that is part of, yeah. is, that, is that tied into ADHD? Absolutely. Do people, or is it part of, do all people have that inherently? How much of it is that ADHD burnout? Think... And maybe just a bit about how you found, it's quite an interesting situation for both of us. Both of us are, health professionals, yeah. both of us are clearly very invested in the mental health space mm -hmm. and both of us were diagnosed late, let's be frank, yeah. with ADHD. Like is, how do you feel about that? And you know, what are the thoughts around, how does that play into burnout and things I like that? I think sometimes it's an identity thing. So a lot of people I work with, they get their identity out of doing and doing well and people being pleased with them. So when it comes to them needing to rest, it feels like failure. It feels like they're doing something wrong. They need to earn it. They need to do enough good so that they can earn that rest and they might feel guilty. And I've definitely felt that. But, but on top of that, my brain works at 100 miles an hour and I get so excited about stuff. Like, you know, I try and have a quiet day and suddenly I've got a new business idea. Or I, I've, I write books in six weeks with two days a week childcare and three kids in the house because it's so buzzing around my brain and I'm so like high on this creative energy 
And sometimes, my husband's quite good at saying this, I'll be like, right, do you know what? I've been online, I've been looking at neuroscience PhDs and I'm going to do it. And he's like, Anna? Yeah. No. Yeah. And I think that's an important point. Maybe we can touch on there. That I think sometimes people will say, oh, it's a superpower with ADHD that you could do all this stuff. But the truth is as well, and this is not, you obviously do a lot of different things, but let's be frank about this. Often it means we achieve nothing because we try, you know, you start, you, you, not that you achieve nothing, but if you know what I mean, you go like, oh, let's do this and this idea and that idea. And then you kind of get things started, but you didn't have the energy, time or ability to kind of follow anything through. And then that, that's really hard. So I think for anyone listening going, oh, but it sounds great because you have all these ideas and you do, there is, there is only a finite amount of coins you have yes. each day. The problem with ADHD is you're often trying to spend coins you don't have. All the time. And then you end up in debt. And, and that's then, where I think yeah. ADHD burnout And that's when the burnout thing. happens. And this is why I have to. I, I remember saying to my therapist once in lockdown, it is as if, it's as if my parenting depends on me going for a walk, right? Because I'm less likely to shout, I'm more likely to be able to regulate my emotions, I'm more likely to be a parent that I want to be. And she, she was just like, Anna, that's because it does. And I think I've realised that my creative wild brain that can do so much, it serves me well, but I have to. I have to do the things that nourish me and ground me because when we're depleted, I don't know about you, I have no sense of humour. Yeah. I don't have the energy to reach out and tell people how I am. I, you know, I'm, I can't rationalise anxious thoughts mm. because rest gives us the ability to, to be able to do those things. So I can't love my family well when I'm burnt out. So as much as I love and embrace some of the amazing wild parts of my brain, I've learned that if I don't put other things in place, hmm. it's destruct it can be very destructive. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. As we draw to the end of part one, I'd like to ask you a question that I think a lot of people it might pop to their heads around this, particularly if you haven't had therapy before. Um, why does a therapist need therapy <laughs> do you know what when I went and started my therapy training and I, I sat there and I looked at all these people they looked wonderful and then I got to know them and I thought man we all need therapy and one of the one of the lecturers said you know what when you train to be a therapist you get the therapy you need and in truth I was a carer Alex people would come to me I was the go-to anyone had a problem they would come to me and I would comfort them I'd go out of my way to me that was a that was a way of coping with, I lost my sister when she died of cancer when I was younger. I've, I've been through various traumas in my life. And my way of 
dealing with that was to be like, oh no, we don't need to talk about me. I've analyzed myself, I'm fine. We're gonna talk about you and I'm gonna help you and that's gonna make me feel good and worthy and valid. We're just going, going under through a tunnel. Out. You're going through a tunnel. Hello, Hello. Charlie, are you there? Hello. Charlie's there still. <laughs> um, and it, helping others gave me a sense of identity. And I, do you know what, having therapy was really humbling because I was like, I saw myself as a helper. That's what, gave, that's what gave me my deservedness in life for love and good things and friendships. But I needed help. Mm. Um, like a heart surgeon may need heart surgery. That's a, and really, they can't good, do that's it a really good point. You can't exactly dip into your own. Do you know what, that's a great analogy. And also it's not a failure, is it? That's a, a great analogy. If a heart surgeon, being a heart surgeon is never gonna give you immunity to heart disease. To heart disease. That's and you can't so do it true. yourself. What a, what a fantastic analogy that Love is. Love an analogy, That Alex, is a great analogy. Because people have asked me as well, like, you know, you, you're clearly invested so much in the mental health space. You've written books about mental health, you know, for children, for adults. You know, and, and they ask it, and, and I think it's a very valid question because it's interesting, like, why, why is therapy there for? Do you not, like, you know what the therapy room yeah. is? But it's because so much of so much of it like going to the gym and working out and doing your doing your workouts and practicing your training and slowly building heavier weights is about consistency and doing something for a prolonged period of time and just like you know you'll see an athlete who is a really high level athlete in that sport having a coach to make them even better Absolutely. and help them it's the same thing so even if you think you know my mental health is really really i'm in a really good space mentally you know, there'd be no benefit for me having any therapy. That, that might be true. And there is a conversation around therapy for those that at the time are in a really good space. But even then you might be like, you know what? Yeah, but actually when I do public speaking, yeah. I need to work on this. And, you know, I think, I just think that everyone would benefit from six to eight therapy sessions, yeah. even as an experience, even as an opportunity to understand what it's about for self-growth. I genuinely think that I saw actually Stephen Bartlett tweeted, um, I think it was yesterday or the day before saying, how much happier companies would be if every oh, CEO had six to eight yes. therapy sessions. I think that's is that very true. insight And sometimes it is humility, right? I think I know a lot about myself. Yet so often my therapist, she's got a different brain. She's seeing it from a different way. She'll tell me something about myself. She'll make a connection. And it's about intentional vulnerability because we are, we've never been more connected, have we, Alex, with so many no. people. But the depth of that connection. Yeah is probably more shallow than ever. So to have those intentional conversations where you're actually opening up to people, like how often do we do that? Not often enough. And uh, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, that point is always worth remembering that you inherently have a bias towards yourself. Unfortunately, it's almost always a negative bias. So you're looking, you're asking someone to look in on your life and help you with that sorting, like going through the clothing cupboard, but not doing from a position of negativity towards yourself, from a position of impartiality. And that, that is something I would say, and you can never, I don't care how good a therapist you are, you're not gonna be able to therapize yourself I know, in the and same I really, way. I really and we wish we could, we could dig into I our know. head and be able to do it. Of course, of course the stuff that we've learned helps us. Well, you know the benefit of nature. You understand certain things of action and reaction, so of course the knowledge helps. But when it comes to like actually digging into things that you're stuck on, that is where I think it's helped me so much. That and kind of stuckness is huge. Processing, talking through. Right, everyone, we're coming to the end of part one now. In part two, we're going to learn about why you started the Mummy Ribbon and what that really means. We'll hear a bit more about why you're so passionate, why your new book really is centred around parents putting themselves first, really, in order to benefit themselves 
and their child. And in part three, we're going to do a whole section for new parents. Um, I've got friends who've got new, who've got children, um, you know, new parents, and I think that will be a really, 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 really helpful part for anyone that's going through that or thinking of having children themselves. If you want more tips and advice, check out my book, The Mind Manual. Obviously head over to Anna's podcast and her wonderful books as well. We'll leave all the links and things in the show notes. If you're a subscriber to Behind the Stomp, you'll have access to all three parts right now. In fact, you'll have access from them on the Sunday. If you're not, they'll be released on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday consecutively. Also for Behind the Stomp subscribers, you'll have access to our Behind the Stomp special where we reflect on the episode, the key learnings and so on. Right, I'll see you soon in part two. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.